1: MP on the mic, thank you for joining us, taking you inside the commander's locker room. A little something we love to do as I'm up here in Ashburn uh, reporting for the Washington Times. Uh, My story up now at the Washington Times website about big plays and uh, the the numbers are depressing, folks, as you know they would be. Uh, These guys in the playoff season, the first year, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, look, there were some things that went wrong with the defense along the way, but giving up big plays wasn't one of them. They were one of the best teams in the league at that. The last two years, they've been middle of the pack at allowing explosive plays. You can define that as 20-plus yard plays, sometimes 25-plus yard plays. I'm pulling 20-plus yard plays for the purpose of this, but the the numbers are very similar statistically. They've been about league average the last two years. This year, they're the third worst team in football at allowing big plays, And, and you could tell it's really been crippling them and the defense has cost them in a few of these games and and it's been very difficult and look this is uh, an absolute must-win game against the New York Giants a really really bad football team Uh, but we'll start inside the locker room with uh, with Kendall Fuller had the chance to chat with him, Virginia Tech guy, obviously one of the good guys in the locker room and uh, a cornerback who uh, I think has had a very solid season. You know, I, I think expectations when he signed were sky high. They've kind of leveled off. I, I think he's been one of those guys you don't hear his name a lot, and that's a good thing. But uh, one of the guys you got to ask about Saquon Barkley with the Giants. He's kind of their last big play threat. Who's not hurt? Who will be suiting up on Sunday? Here's Kendall Fuller on Saquon Barkley and more.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a tremendous talent. Um, just what he can do. If you can hand the ball off to him, getting him out in space um, in the passing game and things like that. So, definitely a tremendous talent. It's going to be all 11 guys to stop
1: him. I know we ask you all the time about explosive plays, but what does that look like on a day-to-day cutting down on those, finding a way to, you know, keep keep the short being short?
2: Uh, I mean, for instance, the one that we gave up in the game was just everybody hunting to the ball. Um, you know, everybody having their leverage and keeping their leverage. Um, but I think the biggest thing is uh, us as players, we got to uh, take it amongst ourselves better and be more urgent, urgent when a uh, players get dropped down like that and come up and just, and, and make a tap on and get onto the next play. When you've
1: had a lot of games
2: and, you know, not all of them matter, but the way you guys lost
3: in New York, it was only about a month ago. Does that, does that stick with you this week?
4: Um,
2: I could say yeah, but no, just because you get, you got all those games and things like that. So, I mean, it always means more anytime it's a, divis- a divisional game, but um, especially when you just lost the week before, that one probably sticks with you the most. Um, but you got to move on to the next week and try to go one and know this week.
1: You know, I think the other reason it didn't stick with with Kendall Fuller was uh, I don't think the defense was totally responsible for that Giants' loss of first time fourteen to seven. Obviously, uh, they feel like they played a pretty good game there, and look. If they hold the Giants to 14, you know they, they should be able to win this week, the way the offense is playing. Uh, let, let's go straight to my favorite conversation of the day. I uh, love chatting with Brian Robinson. I think people, people are really coming to appreciate him I've been yelling for him to catch passes for a while, so we talk about that a little bit. Uh, him as a pass catcher, obviously, but he's also just a really smart dude, understands the game of football really well. Uh, I think you'll uh, you'll pick up on that pretty quickly.
3: I mean, probably so, but uh, I mean, how could you overlook it when I, you know, I caught for like 300, 400 yards in one season? So, I mean... You evaluate what you want to evaluate. So uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to continue to show that I can catch the ball, and I can catch the ball very well.
5: Hey, Brian, does it matter how you get the ball, whether it's catching the ball or running the ball? Does that matter one way or the other?
3: No, nah, it don't really matter. I just want the ball. you know, and It don't matter how you give me the ball. I'm going to do something with it. Kick it to me, punt it to me, mm-hmm. throw it to me, hand it to me, I'm a, I'm gonna make a play.
1: I, think I know you've known what you can do, but do you feel like maybe Sam's looking to you a little more, you guys have a little bit more of a feel of like, I'll be here, I know I know what he needs, he knows what what I need, that kind of thing. Uh, I think we're um, we're
3: definitely on the same page and we we, we continue
1: to grow uh
3: there's been a lot of instances in practice where, you know, Sam threw me the ball and, you know, he's seen me reeling in. So he he knows, you know, uh, I had the ability to, you know, catch, you know, make make catches. Uh, so, you know, being in the game and him, you know, finding me on checkdowns, you know, just continue to build that trust from him. And we feel like he can, you know, always count on me in the checkdown game. You know, that's just something that I feel like we've been growing at.
1: How do you practice
3: the off schedule, knowing where, where he's going to look, where where you want to be? Uh, that's that's just about really playing football with awareness. Like football is not like a robotic game. Like you you gotta you gotta play with awareness, and you know we NFL players, you know everybody on the field going to be aware at the same time. So that's where you gotta you know take the next step, of you know try to be more aware than the next person. And when stuff go off schedule, you got to be smarter than your opponent and find ways
1: to attack them or they're off leverage. Uh, Brian Robinson there on our Commanders inside the locker room here on MP on the mic. Always love talking with B-Rob and uh, of course uh, a great story there uh, of of perseverance and uh, loved him uh, in his first season and even more so this year. I love that you got to stay one step ahead of what the defense is thinking and I think that's just a really good insight into why he's gained the favor of Sam Howell, the way he has and as quickly as he has, Sam Howell's looking for that dude now. And you can tell, and that comes both from production, he doesn't miss when Sam Howell throws it his way, but that also comes from B-Rob understanding where to be and how to get there, and I, I think that's one of the reasons I really uh, have enjoyed watching his game grow uh, and evolve. And uh, it, it's he's absolutely uh, had a fantastic week last week, and uh, uh, you know, in the absence of uh, you know a Curtis Samuel, a guy who was taken a lot of those in-space catches, Brian Robinson has has emerged as a fantastic alternative. You know we love hearing from Terry McLaurin and uh, he had great insight into Sam Howell and his development. Here's Terry McLaurin inside the Commander's Locker Room on 910 The Fan.
4: I, I definitely think um, I think what's um, really impresses me I think I don't remember which week it was but I know EB was really working on, working with him and on him to keep his eyes down the field and uh, extend those plays and, and give us chances down the field and it was like that next week he was doing it like right off the bat so I think that's the number one thing that impressed me about him is his ability to take coaching points from the classroom and apply it on the field in such a at such a not a lot of experience and at such a young age I think it's like again a testament to the work he puts in and how much he cares about his craft. Um, so I think that's the number one thing that's really been impressing me over the course of the season, how he's been able to take coaching points and clearly improve the next week.
1: I love that praise from Terry McLaurin, uh, Commander's receiver. Sam Howell, man, you're talking about him absorbing concepts and learning them inside of the space of a week and watching him really absorb and become a cerebral football player and a guy who can do that. That's high praise coming from Terry McLaurin. I think he's one of the best technicians in the game right now, one of the best route runners. Uh, so you can certainly take that praise a lot more seriously when it comes from Terry. So that that's fantastic. Uh, love hearing that from him. We're inside the locker room and uh, I want to play a little bit of a uh, chat with Ron Rivera because we touch on a couple things that are uh, the, that are pretty important this week, but the big plays that I mentioned at the start of the segment, and the importance of beating the New York Giants. Since you've been here, the, the Giants have gotten the better of you guys a few times. I know you want to win them all. You prepare to win them all, but when you get ready for a game like that, like this, is, is that in the back of your mind? Like we kind of owe these guys one.
6: No, we do kind of owe these guys one, but that's not that's not why you play. You you play to win the game. You play, you know, to 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 do things the right way, and you keep the focus on on playing the game. That to me is what's more important. I mean, every one of these games we play are all important, whether divisional, whether they're conference, or they're at a conference. They're all important. And you prepare that way, you focus that way, and you go out to play to win.
1: I know we've talked about explosive plays a lot. How does that manifest itself for the defense on a day to day in practice? The the work of cutting those down and, and eliminating
6: those? Well I think the biggest thing more than anything else is, is the constant emphasis on 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 doing your job and doing the things that you need to do. Um, you know, whether you're a defensive back, it's staying up over the top to keep it in front of you, whether you're, you're, you're up front is being gap disciplined and controlling, you know, the, the point of attack.
0: Have you been surprised by kind of the consistent explosive
1: plays?
6: Well, I've been disappointed. I mean, it happens and it's unfortunate, you know, that, that we've given up the, 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 amount that we have.
1: That's the frustration. That's, uh, that, that's the frustration is there's too much and, uh, it's complicated, because when you talk about big plays, it's the line not being good, it's it's the linebackers not being good, and it's the secondary all missing on the same play. It's tough. It's, uh, it's tough to see. All right, had a great conversation with John Keim yesterday. We're going to play that on the other side of this break. You're listening to MP on the mic. We're live on 910 The Fan, now 105.1 FM. All right, we're back. 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM. For his inaugural appearance on the show, this is your first appearance on the show, right? I believe yes, it, is. it is. Welcome aboard, John Kyme, ESPN, uh, on a very important day.
0: Very important day,
1: barbecue day. Yes, in Ashburn. Z- ZZQ day. Uh, brought ZZQ up for everybody. Give Give me the rundown here. What, what What impressed you? What What jumped off the tape?
0: Well, everything always impresses me about ZZQ, which is why <laughs> we requested it. But I think what also separates them. The, br- the brisket is always going to be fantastic.
1: Yes, it's, the sausage is tremendous. The, the habanero fontina yeah, sausage. And
0: yet, to me, like when you're going to a barbecue place, Texas style, you get the you know the brisket's going to be good. How are your others? How are the other things? Yeah, and yeah. the sausage is tremendous. And to me, that's how I measure.
1: I brought a little turkey for the non-red yes. meat eating crowd. I, I I didn't touch it, but the
0: yeah. turkey tur- and the, like, I like turkey, sure. But it's kind of like how Eric Bienemy treats the run game. It's like <laughs> you're gonna throw 20 times, and here's a run,
1: you sp- right? You spend all week at the press conference talking it up, and then correct, get on right? Day, and, and I like zero. it.
0: I'll have it. <laughs> but if it's you got brisket and the sausage. I'm throwing all day, baby. <laughs>
1: so let's go. Love it. All right. Are you smoking anything? This uh, You'd be gone for Thanksgiving. Gone for Thanksgiving. Yeah.
0: I've smoked a turkey before. And yeah. it's, I really like it like that. I've smoked hams for Christmas, which mm-hmm. is I think that's the way to go. But no, I won't be doing anything.
1: All right. On to the matters at hand. Command- that's... that's No, these are the matters at hand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Commander's Giants uh, this weekend. Um, surely, surely this is the one, right? We got a... Uh, I mean, uh, two of the, they've won two of the last 10. It's a bad Giants team. Uh, what do they have to do to win this one?
0: They have to hope that I pick the Giants. That's what they have to do. Because every <laughs> My, my year, article
1: for the Washington Times um, for the first meeting was, hey, look at this. They're finally going to get the Giants. And uh, that, that was a touch premature, it turns out. So
0: on my podcast, I had our Giants reporter on. And we were talking about this. And I said, it's the same thing every year. Giants in disarray, Washington should win. Johnny Cakes picks the Washington to win, and the next day's headline is, Have the Giants turn their season around? <laughs> so, and that's exactly what happened, you know, a few weeks ago. However, Tommy DeVito, you cannot lose to Tommy, DeVito. and I don't think they will. And I think their offense,
1: he, I could think ma- they, he could make himself a little money on Sunday,
0: he could. And if, if ever there was a time, you would do it, yeah. But I just don't, they're, they're very banged up. And I like where this offense has, what this offense has been doing since the second half of that first game because it, they only scored the seven points, but they were moving the ball pretty well. And I, the thing I'm looking forward to most in this game, too, is how does Sam Howell and the offense handle the Wink-Martindale defense because the protection has been better since that game, but Wink-Martindale throws so many different things at you that it's a lot harder to go against that for Young, and the protection has been better, but it is still harder – so how does he handle that? And if they handle it well, they're going to win by two scores.
1: You wrote and a, Now I just jinxed it. It's over. It's over. It's over. I just go go put all your money on the Giants. Right yes, now. that's pretty much. <laughs> you wrote about Sam Alt ESPN.com. It was, yeah. he, in his, I thought it was very measured where he's showing signs, but there is still a ways to go, and we can be we can be yeah. honest about that. Of but course, also be excited. and
0: he's only he's only started eleven games. You can't. I think the signs have been very good. Yeah the one troubling sign for a while wasn't just the high sack total which it well was but it's a a big measuring stick for quarterbacks too is the sack percentage percentage of times you're getting sacked per pass his was very high and it was not it was sustainable it was not sustainable yeah to be a good quarterback long-term the last three weeks it's been tremendous so where is he at this is why like going into the stretch you got the Giants and you have the Cowboys so you have Micah Parsons after that and so what how does he handle this is this I think we're going to learn a lot more where he's at I like a lot of his progression a lot I mean just I think his pre-snap reads are better and you can there's a lot to build on there's a lot to like but you still have to see, like, where does this go? And even, you know, I talked to Kurt Warner for it, and he was, he said, like, he's gone from thinking, can this guy be a bona fide starter to, can he be special? Okay. So, and and the reason he said that was, and he and Dan Orlovsky, who works for ESPN, obviously, kind of said this, that just his ability to stand in the, stand in the pocket, and, like, you either have this or you don't. And and he has that ability to do that and he's an aggressive thrower. But if you can cut down on the other aspects and be more consistent, then you can t- then it's like so what what I'm trying to decide is how good can he be? And I think that's the next step for
1: him. Cause because zero is never gonna be the number. He was sacked three times in Seattle. But right. it didn't you didn't hold your breath every time he dropped back. It, Correct. It felt sustainable it in did. a way that it happened And before.
0: I think what's what's happening too is you see him, there were a couple times he probably got to the check down a little bit early, but I don't say that as a – it's more of a quibble than it is a criticism mm-hmm. because it's not like – if he was doing that a lot, then you'd say, well, the rush is getting to him. But he's not. I think he's being – again, a couple times a little bit early, but at least it's a positive play. And he's still looking for the downfield stuff. So it's not like it's altered his game dramatically. And so I can live with that. You're still it's the ta- – you're taking a profit, so to speak. Um but if you remember, like, for people who remember the John Beck game years ago. For people who so,
1: remember. People remember. People he, are shaking their heads so right now. Well, it was
0: 2011, and he gets sacked 10 times in Buffalo, and he comes back the next week and has 75 checkdowns to Roy Hulu. Yep. You knew, like, the rush got to him. He's done. He's it's broken. Right. That you haven't seen that with Howell. And I think that's one thing that you can absolutely build on. But he's getting – he's seeing it quicker and earlier, allowing him to then know where you need to get to to get away from the pressure.
1: No doubt, John Kime joining us, ESPN.com. On a very important day, Barbecue Day here here in Ashburn, uh, but also getting ready for uh, for Commanders Giants. And we'll, we'll talk defense for a second as well. Uh, what is this secondary need? Can't what can you can't bring in new players at this point? What can you do to shore this up to to an acceptable level the rest of the way? Oh, my goodness. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about the barbecue instead. I think that I, – I I, don't know because they – a couple things that you – first of all, the defensive line has to be a little bit better. Put, and I think you go – I'm going to start with John Allen, Duran Payne. They have not had the kind of years that they needed, no. this team needed them to have. So you need to be able to put a little bit more quick pressure on them. Then I think the other problem is in some cases it's a little bit of an experience with like a Percy Butler – you don't, you the only way you fix that is by playing, and he's actually gotten better, but he still misses that tackle every game. Or you take an angle against New England, and it results in a huge play. If he misses up, then it's a big, then it's a touchdown, as we've seen the last two weeks. Yeah, and and if you're getting to him, there have been three mistakes before, right? So it's not just his fault, but that's you know, so you've got to, he's going to go through that, and I think. Uh, because I'd say like the easy thing is well they can't give up these big plays but then it's like how are they and it's it's attention to detail and I think you need Emmanuel Forbes to be able to play and then show his if he has grown and can he help you know can he be someone that can go out there and help them maybe creating more turnovers because I don't I just don't see it getting a lot better that's the problem like we consider and talk like I can tell you probably what they need for next year to going forward. More than how they can fix it this year, because I don't know that they can.
1: This has been a theme all week on the show. Just what you, like there's too much time left in this season to be talking about next year, yeah. and here we are talking about next yeah. year because for for that exact reason. Yeah, And
0: you know, now the other fact, the other part of it. A couple years ago, when Montez Sweat and Chase Young were out, the defense played well, mm-hmm. I and mean, it wasn't necessarily because they were out. It's just that I felt like they adjusted. I also felt like the secondary was in a good spot. And so I think that that was part of it. It wasn't again. It wasn't because those guys left, but it's the fact that they played well without them. But I also I thought that during that time they were a little bit more creative with some of the pressures. And I in in the third down in particular they blitzed a little bit more, but they and they disguised their coverages better. One thing I have not seen them do this year well is disguise coverages. And I'm a little bit disappointed that because I thought it was going to be that kind, and it's not that kind of a group right now.
1: It's less imaginative yeah. of a defense. Yeah, it's it?
0: very straightforward. Yeah. yeah. And that's and it ain't working.
1: And, but I <laughs> no, also... i
0: but, but so sometimes <laughs> with this defense too, because they start slow every year, and they haven't picked it up this year. They just, they've started slow. They're slow in the middle. And I don't think they may finish <laughs> slow. But... Sometimes you wonder like if you're always starting slow, are you putting what how much are you putting on their plates? Like sure. what is it that causes a team to start slow all the time? And then are you asking too much of them? And that's something else you have to ask with this group and I mean they, they I mean if it keeps going like this, this group won't be back. So but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I it's it's I think you could use a safety who is, like, really experienced back there and a really good coach on the field type. Doesn't have to be a great player, but someone who's just like, and I think Cam Curl's a good player. I don't know yep. if he's that coach on the field type yep. that you probably could help, that could help you. That may help in one area.
1: You don't have that person at linebacker either. Which no, so is that's so another tri- problem. That's trickles, another problem. It down, yeah. It
0: does. And, and you know, I think Jamin Davis has had a nice year. Yeah. But you don't, like, i know they felt like cody barton was good for him but cody wasn't playing well but it's also like the other i watch how cole holcomb was playing with the steelers he was playing fast faster than he may have been playing here right so why is that that's you know and so why is it taking cody barton that long to get and he started to play better he was but why is that and so those are the questions you have to ask or you know, are you overrating talent? Are you just so? It's, to me, it's always a combination of factors with that. But I, but I, I will say, everything starts up front, and the line has just been inconsistent.
1: No doubt. All right, John Keim, thank you for joining us. John Keim report on all the podcast platforms, all the,
0: all the podcasts on YouTube, and there you yeah, go,
1: YouTube. If you want to see see his pretty face while he's doing <laughs> <laughs> the podcast, well. yeah. <laughs> um, and ESPN.com. be thank, thank you like for, for joining. Program. Thanks uh, for having me. On. Back with more after this. Nine ten, the fan at one oh five one FM. <laughs> MP on the mic. It is a busy day and the world of sports lots of ground to cover. Glad you're with us here on 910 the Fan 1051 FM and of course worldwide on the free Odyssey app with the rewind button. You're gonna need it today. Uh just just so much to cover. Uh, JMU, of course, uh, getting denied in their bull bid. We'll have thoughts on that. John Kime of ESPN joins the program, and it is a Thursday, so we go inside the commander's locker room. All of that in today's show, but we lead off with the Siegel Center last night in a big, big VCU victory. Over Radford, I, I sold this one as a big test, a, a tough test against a very good team coming into the day yesterday. Radford did not disappoint, man. Radford did their part. That was a well-organized team, a good-looking team. Uh, loved what they brought to the table, uh, but also VCU rose to the challenge. That was great to see. Took some adversity. Got got hit 10-2 there at the first media timeout. Uh, that was kind of what we thought we would see. Uh, but boy, just just so great to see them buckle down. Uh, a Fantastic showing for the Rams, who end up uh, blowing out Radford. And, and thank goodness for Zeb Jackson. Thank goodness for Jason Nelson uh, on a night where uh, Max Schulga was not at his best. Those two really stepped up defensively. I think this is one of the th- this is my big theme of the game. My big takeaway, right? They struggle early, in part because the defense. Uh, in the offense, we not in sync together. Bad defense was creating bad offense, and bad offense was creating bad defense. Those two things were playing together, uh, and and Ryan Odom talked about that as post-game press conference. So they play a game in practice where they've got to both get a basket and get a stop. That's the objective of the game, and uh, you, certainly you can see why they put an emphasis on this. Uh, I, I chatted with Christian Furman after the game. Fantastic conversation. Uh, stay tuned. You're going to want to listen to that. Uh, but first, here is Ryan Odom after the game. He has kept his sense of humor uh, intact through uh, through a rough spell to start the season, and then a breakout game last night for the Rams. He was asked about Je- Zeb Jackson and his play.
5: Yeah, it's great. He, he turned it over the first two plays, right? He and talked about it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I'm yelling at him, taking him out of the game, and it's like you can't start a game that way. And, you know, he, uh, he responded, you know, because that's what champions do. You know, you respond. He took responsibility, you know, for, for what he was doing out there. And uh, he just played. You know, he played intensely. He played with a focus. And he played with an aggression. And, you know, one of the theme words for us in this game was attack. We need to attack on both sides. And, you know, I thought for the most part our guys did that.
1: Uh, Best part of a blowout win for me, 73-50, your final VCU defeats Radford last night at the Siegel Center. Got a chance to try some things late, right, in the the final eight minutes. Got a chance to get some guys hot, which was fantastic. Kwani Kwani comes in, hits a shot, gets going. Uh, One of the things... In the first half, they took more threes than twos. And, and look, he's not against it. Uh, Odom's not against it in this offense, but you could tell they were settling. They weren't taking the best shots. They get in the paint. They get some guys hot. They get some guys scoring. That's going to pay dividends down the road, especially as we talk about what's coming up around the corner next week, uh, the Thanksgiving tournament against some Power 5 teams. It, it was great to see some new lineups, some guys get going, uh, and, and certainly on a night where Max Shulga didn't have his best stuff, uh, his teammates were there to pick him up. Zeb Jackson and Jason Nelson in particular really picked him up. Here's uh, Ryan Odom talking about uh, Shulga's night.
5: Yeah, I mean, wasn't a typical Max game, you know, for sure. I mean, he wanted to play better. You know, he, he didn't play his best, you know, tonight. And that's a good sign for us, you know, that, you know, he played the way he played and not he played terrible, right? He made some good plays. Like that drive to the basket, you know, and finish at the rim. Uh, But he expects to play better than he did. And, um, you know, the fact that we were able to, you know, win the game and play well uh, is a tribute to our depth. And guys like Jay Nell and, you know, uh, Michael Bell, I thought, had a good game. You saw more from Quani in this game. Toby was excellent. Firm is beginning to – not beginning, he's gaining confidence, you know, every minute that he plays.
1: And um, and so that's, that's a real positive a lot of good name checks there. Good to see Toby Lawall muscling his way in late. Obviously a fantastic uh, uh, thing to get so many guys going, get the bench going. And look, we've, you know, Max Shulga was making this team go in the first couple games, and he certainly had a role there after the 10-2 start. But you're going to need more. You're going to need balance, and uh, I think you come away really impressed. VCU defeats Radford at the Seagull Center last night. Got to come away impressed with the balance the Rams displayed, the ability to get the ball around, move the ball around in that second half. And, And look, I've been talking about the offense a little too much. The defense. The defense made the difference. Don't don't let anybody tell you otherwise. When they shut down Radford, things changed. When they shut down their their, their best best producing player, things changed in a hurry. And that defense really drove them in the second half. Uh, Radford uh, shooting percentage plummets in the second half. That's VCU style defense. It's good to see it's still compatible with the Ryan Odom offense all right after the game got a chance to talk to christian Furman. had a great conversation with him we're gonna play that in its entirety right now here is vcu's christian Furman after last night's win over radford got nine ten. the fan home of the rams with uh one of the starters from last night's uh, winning effort here christian Furman. welcome to the show um 10-2 out of the gate. You guys hunker down. R- really made it happen defensively. What, what was the turning point?
4: Um, the turning point was really just us getting into the timeout after the second media and, like, coaches really just getting on us. Like, it was time to really just start playing like how we're supposed to play. Um, he just got into us and let us know we had to have energy. We had to, like, stand our ground. Like, we, we were letting them do whatever they wanted. We had one guy that was, like, killing us, and nobody wanted to step up and stop him. He just said, who's going to stop him? Like, who's going to get this man, like, off the court? Like, stop him. And finally uh, – finally we began to like contain them as a team and like it just ended up working out it it, it was really just a team effort honestly
1: does that just like raise his hand like it's me i, I i'm on it let's go
4: <laughs> that, he finally he finally just up man we gonna stop him, and then he got the, got the job done
1: that that's awesome um if, if for you working with this new lineup working with, with with coach odom this year what what's the transition been like and uh, how have you kind of acclimated um it's been a smooth
4: transition like honestly i, w- I was a bit what's the word, re- re- reluctant to like buy in but sure. at, at first like but then. Once I finally got to know these guys, I got to know Coach Odom, like, yeah, but my best interest in mind as a player, he, he used me to my fullest capabilities. Like, I feel like this is the freest form of basketball. Like, I've played, like, obviously since I've been in college, you know what I mean? I didn't play a lot last year, but, like, I just yeah. feel, like, really free um, playing with him as my coach. And, and like, it's, it's just working out. Like, I honestly enjoy um, this new staff. I enjoy, the, like, the players that stayed, and I enjoy the players that came here. It's, it's just already meshing well, and it's really just because – the way we bond and the way that we we're always in the gym together.
1: What are those things that brought you around? What are the things you like about this the style?
4: Um, the style of the play is it's fast. Everybody's everybody's involved. Like there's chances for anybody to go off on any night. Um, defensively, like it, it, it allows me to be like more of like an open like defender. Like if that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm able to go and like i hunt, shot, hunt shots to block. Um, and offensively, like they put me in a position to get offensive rebounds. Like they, they just it, it's just really a lot that this team does. Like that offensively is just like a step up from like I feel like we uh, previously were.
1: Seems like he's all for giving you a green light if, if you feel, if you got a good yeah, look. Yeah, most definitely.
4: Like, he, he, Coach Odom really instills a lot of confidence within his players. Like I, Honestly, if I, if I had a night Rod decided to start smacking threes. Like, he, 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 might, he might just let me on. So as longs as are like, good
1: luck. <laughs> like,
4: but like that's just honestly the type of coach he is. Like he just um puts confidence in his players, and it really just works out. Like I feel like I took a huge jump on both ends of the floor because he let me know like I'm good enough to take that jump, and I believed in him. He believed in me, and now we're here.
1: Yeah, how satisfying is that? I think 33 minutes tonight to, to be yeah. not just a part of the team, but a contributing. Um, you know. Last year, me is sitting here
4: just smiling. Like honestly, like like, I'm, like, like last year, I, I went honestly, I went from. Know like paying time last year to like now I'm playing 33 minutes in a, um in my in my third game so like it's, it's it's really like shout out to him man for just giving me that opportunity <laughs> honestly just shout out to him for giving me that opportunity and um and I, I feel like he trusts me a lot I feel like he, he keeps putting me, he, he kept putting me on the floor because like he he think he knows I have an impact and he allows me to have an impact and. It just works out. Like it's, 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 it's going to
1: be a, a big year for all of us, honestly. Seems like for the team, it's it's been a lot of fun too that you guys yeah, have bonded. Most, well. most
4: definitely. And that and started off the court. Like it, there was an emphasis, and it wasn't even a forced emphasis, but there was an emphasis on us getting to know each other off the court. Like, of course, we had like our little team bonding trips in the beginning, going to top golf and whatnot. And it just ended up leaking onto the court that we're so close that it just shows on the court. Like I'm close. Like all these guys, like the way I'm close to them. Like I, I feel like this is like the closest I've been to a team in general. Like, we just know it. We we all just constantly around each other. We're all constantly hanging out in the gym together. Never Never working out alone. Like, just in the gym together there's always somebody there with you and we're just all brothers honestly so it really shows in the court with our chemistry and how we talk to each other on the court when things are going wrong when things are going right it's just we're just connected 24-7 so it makes games like this where we could have gave up in the beginning like way easier because we know we're going to get through this we know we've been here before whether it's been practice or our trip to greece or whatnot and we know we know each other we know each other we know to trust each other we know we're going to get through it
1: love it christian Furman joining us on 910 the fan home of the rams we've been talking about the offense but I gotta ask you about the defense because that really made a difference tonight.
4: Defensively, like we, like like I said, we just locked in. Like uh, I think it was, I think coach said in the locker room, like forty to seventeen in the second half, something like that. Like that, that's just that's BCU basketball. Honestly, like we, we talk we talk a lot as a team about being what this team has like been for the past like twenty years or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Not not Like, that's defense. Like, and we, tonight, we took pride in it. Like, Coach said in the huddle, like, right now, you don't, like, you're building your identity. Like, you're building your identity. Like, this is who we are. Like, that was the second half he said that. And, um, that's something that we just want to, like, like, that's really the standard for us. We talk about our standards a lot as, like, um, with this team, and, like, that's the standard for us, like, us being able to, like, hold teams and stuff like that, like, 40-17. Like, we want to do that every night. So, defensively, like, is, it, it, as, much as, as much as people want to say, like, we focus on offense,
1: like, it's definitely, like, there's definitely an emphasis on defense in the show tonight. It did show tonight, and uh, appreciate you joining us, and uh, congrats. Uh, enjoy the win. For sure. Thank you. Love that. Love hearing Christian Furman smiling. Uh, you know, he mentioned it. He was, he was unsure what the transition would bring. I think a lot of the guys who stayed were, but it's it's really been impactful for him, and uh, great to see him growing and thriving and playing well with the Rams, who we send off to uh First game against Seattle on Saturday, but then a pretty big tournament next week, and I think a little more pep in everybody's step with what that could mean, what that could bring. Uh, I think there's a lot more excitement than there was certainly 24 hours ago around the possibilities there. Great to have a breakout game and and a ton of excitement and enthusiasm. Uh, you heard it in the voices there. Plenty more for us to get to, and we will not shirk from the challenge. You are listening to 910 The Fan, now at 1051 at- MP on the mic, you're listening to 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Hit the Odyssey app with the rewind button if you miss anything in today's show. We go inside the locker room as we do on Thursdays with the Washington Commanders. One thing I didn't mention, and, and we'll hit this briefly before I get to JMU, because they, they're, the, they're the bulk of this segment, so Duke's fans don't go anywhere. I will vent with you in a moment. But Albert Breer was the latest to throw his hat in uh, last night. Uh, talking about on the Dan Patrick show these kind of persistent rumors now that Bill Belichick will go to Washington at the end of the season. And anytime you've got an NFL rumor, especially at this point in the season, it's really hard to separate what's a lot of people reporting a lot of things from a lot of sources and what is a lot of people reporting that what people have told them. From a source, from a person. And so I don't know where we are on the Bill Belichick thing. I will just say this. What I know of Josh Harris of this ownership group so far, reporting on them a little bit and getting to know the people in that orbit a little bit, I would be very surprised if they're just good with Bill Belichick coming in. It's got a lot of vibes of, here's how we've messed up the previous hires. Here in Washington, right? You saddle him with a second-year quarterback. Uh, we don't know what would happen with Eric Bieniemy in that situation. Uh, it, it doesn't really... Now, Bill Belichick's a very smart guy, obviously, but this is a group that's pretty analytically inclined analytics forward for sure. It would really surprise me if there's anything already on the table there. And and I keep hearing trade mention of this. There's no giving here. The Patriots want Belichick out. Uh, if The commanders want him. They're not giving up draft picks for him. So I find that part of it ridiculous. Now, I'm not dismissing that Bill Belichick could be the coach here next year. I think he's a strong candidate in a field of strong candidates. I just don't think anything's even close to the finish line yet, nor will there be until... There's a GM in place, there's a process in place, all that. Now, I'm very much on the record. Ron is not going to be the coach here next year. Everybody understands that. I don't think Ron will get fired midseason. I think the only thing that would change that would be a loss to the Giants this weekend and potentially a loss to the Cowboys after that on, on Thanksgiving, and then you could do it off of the long weekend. I think a Giants loss would be sufficiently embarrassing to merit action. As long as you win that, I, I think you can keep limping along for a little while. All right, rage time you listen listening to MP on the mic, 910 The Fan, one FM. The NCAA, uh, which cannot do anything right, I think it's in the Constitution, it's in the NCAA Constitution, had an opportunity to do something right last night uh, and, and put JMU in, in the postseason and do it ahead of a big senior day game, college game day's there, ESPN's there, the focus of the world is there. And, and I just want to be very clear that's what they should have done. They should have reinstated JMU last night and turned the weekend into a party and a celebration of what the Dukes had accomplished. Now, their second best option. Don't hear me as saying I would have done this. Just hear me as advising the NCAA. They pay a lot of consultants a lot of money. I would do this stuff for cheap. If you're listening, NCAA, I'm available. I will come coach you on this stuff. The second option would have been to not say anything yesterday because college freaking game day is on their campus. That's the part I don't get. They went out of their way to antagonize here. They called a meeting on Wednesday night ahead of the senior day game against App State, ahead of college game day being in town. You're begging ESPN to swing at the pinata. You're going to have 10,000 students on that quad on Saturday holding signs against the NCAA. You know how you could have avoided that? Not saying anything until Monday. I, I don't get how this is so difficult for them, how they, they insist on choosing the worst possible path in every situation they come into. And so the NCAA last night say it's a done deal. James Madison won't participate uh, in bowls this year in, in the Sun Belt title game. Now, they can still make a bowl. That's important to note here. If there aren't enough teams eligible for the bowls, they get in. Now, they don't get in to whatever bowl they want. They only get in to the last bowls to pick, right? So you're, you're in a, like, beef bradys bowl situation, the weed-whacker bowl. I don't know if we're still doing the, the famous Idaho potato bowl. If we are, I'm doing it. Uh, sorry, Zach. Uh, we're going to blow the station's whole budget. AWOD can't go to Disney World. Uh, we can't go to Super Bowl Radio Row. Uh, I'm going to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl with the Dukes. It's decided. I've unilaterally decided that right here on MP on the mic today. But it, 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 that's that's a very small consolation prize for this group. It, it's, it's ridiculous to me, the timing of this. They, they just choose this timing for maximum effect. They could have sat on this until Monday, quietly put it out after the game. Congrats to the Dukes on your season. We're sorry we couldn't make this happen for you. But now you got a whole weekend. You got Pat McAfee in town. He's riled up. You got College Game Day in town. They're riled up. I just don't understand how how the they insist on choosing the worst possible optics at the worst possible times. Now, one very tiny consolation is we may end up with a Liberty against James Madison bowl game. That 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 could happen now in this new stretch. But it it's a tough start to what should be. A very celebratory weekend out there at James Madison. A statement from the Attorney General of Virginia, uh, Jason Miaris. Despite their undefeated record in historic season, the NCAA again refused to allow JMU to be bowl and postseason eligible Uh, the attorney general is disappointed and will consider all legal options to support the JMU community and the future of their student-athletes. Now, you saw this with Michigan the other day where they filed their lawsuit. Generally speaking, the courts are going to defer to the NCAA and their authority, and certainly in this case uh, where, where the Dukes agreed to this ahead of time, I thought they made a very compelling case for a waiver, but it's going to be very hard to get this waived. So that's where JMU's at. I'm frustrated with that. I think a lot of people are frustrated with that. Uh, it's, it's tough to see how this is in anybody's best interest. In, and once again, I just can't imagine the NCAA choosing a worse way to handle this situation. All right. Rant over. Uh, show over. We've got AWOD Radio coming up next. Always love AWOD Radio, especially on uh, a victory Thursday. Looking forward to his thoughts on the VCU game. Uh, Grab the Odyssey app with the Rewind. Grab the podcast uh, if you want to hear mine. A a fantastic win for the Rams uh, over Radford last night, down 10-2 early. The defense rallies the team. That's not going to be what we're talking about this year normally when the Rams win, but as the offense has been slow to start, love seeing the defense come to produce all right we'll give this time over to awad looking forward to his program thank you for joining me today mp on the mic you're listening to 910 the fan at 105.1 fmfm this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds.